Interior. Night. Recording studio. Two redheads begin pre-show warm-ups. Red leather, yellow leather, red leather, yellow leather. Jack, write that you gargle your water or something. Jack gargles some water. And then put that we say, welcome to Script Shop. Who? Me or you? Mm-hmm. You say it. Welcome to Script Shop. N- no, but like, really, say it. Like, right now. Like, right now. Let's go for it. Welcome to Scrimshaw. No, Jack. Top. <laughs> Omaha. No, Jack. Welcome to Script Shop. Yes, thank you, Allison. Welcome to Script Shop. Oh my gosh, Jack, thank you. It is a pleasure to be here. Welcome yourself. Oh, well, I I do feel welcome here on scriptshopshow.com. Here in your dot com we're online. We are we are online. We're, we're online. We're living online. We're living on the web. We are we are we are posting and hosting. Oh, I love that. <laughs> what kind of weird things do you think we won't understand by the time we're old? Oh my gosh, I'm terrified of that. I, I want to be able to understand everything all the time. There's already stuff that exists that scares me, and I'm like, mm, what are you no. afraid of right now? Mm, yeah, well, if I really start thinking about like the Alexas and the series and people listening in, yeah, uh, cameras watching us at in our homes. Yeah, and- but I mean that's just like being aware of like the finer points of something versus like conceptually understanding like what Twitter is. Well, that's true. But like when I watch Black Mirror, there's all kinds of ideas that are introduced. Yeah, that are just like just a little. Just a little bit in the future. Right. And those concepts, they just scare the bejesus out of me. Hi, folks. This is Script Shop. This is our podcast where we talk about things that scare the bejesus out of us. Yes. And also we talk with screenwriters about their scripts. And why they wrote them and why they're the only person in the whole universe of time oh. that could have potentially written exactly what they wrote. We believe in the nuance of individuality. Oh. And we like to figure out how this person shows up. In their screenplay. Infinite timelines, infinite possibilities, infinite number of realities, and in this reality right here, we're going to talk with Michael Hudson about his script, The Old Man in the Lake. Yes, The Old Man in the Lake. It is an eight-page potential end-of-the-rope short full of patience, sadness, and the light on the horizon you hope you see. Here's the thing, folks. We are online, and that means we're on social media. Yeah, I know, but that's what we have to do because we're trying to connect with you, and we can't exactly send letters to all of you. Just think of the cost of stamps! (laughs) So we need to do it for free, and we need to do that via social media. And that means you can find Script Shop Show on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. If you look up Script Shop Show on any of those platforms, you can find us, you can friend us, you can follow us, you can leave a comment, you can at us. Don't at me, but you can at us in the show in general. You should just at Script Shop Jack. No, don't. Just to do it. Don't at me. Just poke his little buttons. I can't. Poke your little buttons, Jack. Stop. Leave my buttons out of this. (laughs) But no, seriously, uh, we would love that. We, uh, you know, uh, we have uh, some wonderful followers, and we love interacting with people and, and talking about the show, talking about the guests that we have on, guests like Michael Hudson on today's show, yep. like all the previous guests that we have in our 100 plus show history so far, and 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 our 100 plus show future. That's right. Plus emphasis on the big plus. Absolutely. Um, Michael today found us on filmfreeway.com Wonderful. where you can look us up to submit your screenplay or the screenplays of anybody that you know who's happened to be writing stuff. Um, you can do that. <laughs> you can steal their script and send it in and say, you should talk to this person. Well, I bet, you know, producers do that. They take things, That's they push them out. That's what producers do. They steal the script, <laughs> they throw it out there. Um, filmfreeway.com slash show or by going to scriptshopshow.com slash submit. Both of those will get your screenplays to us. If you hashtag hot burrito, you'll get to the front of the line. Yeah, because that lets us know that you listen to the show, and we would like to give preferential treatment to those who do listen to the show. So hashtag hot burrito. Uh, there's show continuity as to why that's our little phrase. We can let you go back and find that go out for yourself. Go find that in the archives.
Uh, we're also on Patreon. If you would be interested in potentially supporting our show financially, that would be wonderful. We love doing this show, and the idea that we could uh, maybe support ourselves a little bit by doing it is incredible as well with some reenies and roonies. Oh, please, rink and rook. If you've got some extra buccarinis or some extra buccarinis. It is the holiday season. It is. It's the it's giving season. the giving season. And what better way to celebrate the giving season than to give to your two favorite redheads. Hi, folks. My name is Jack. And you know, at this time of year, there's so many starving redheads doing podcasts about screenwriters. <laughs> Listen to that. Listen to that pathetic cough. Don't you, you know, for just the cost of a cup of coffee a day, you can support two redheads doing a podcast about screenwriters. <laughs> I can't keep that one together. Anymore. Anyway, if you are at all interested in potentially supporting the show, patreon.com, uh, script shop show, we would love that very, very much. All right, let's get Michael on the show. Yeah, Michael, uh, let's call him up. Michael Hudson. Hi, how are you? Hi, I'm great. You? We're wonderful. Thank you so much for uh, sending us your script. Oh, you're welcome. You're welcome. I hope you liked it. We did very much. Yes, we did. We probably need to, we need to properly describe it, right? The Old Man in the Lake. Oh, we did already. It's an eight-page. End of the rope, short, full of patience, sadness, and the light on the horizon you hope you will see. That's the one. That's right. That's the one. That's right. <laughs> Pretty nice description. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you very much. I try really, really hard. This is... You know, this is the exploration of how I write log lines and why I'm the only person in the history of all time who could potentially write that log line. Uh, <sighs> Michael, I, I, I feel <laughs> Michael, I feel like I detect a little bit of an accent. Are, are you calling? Where, where might you be speaking to us from? Well, I'm speaking to you from England today. I normally live in Stockholm, and I've just moved from St. Petersburg in Russia. So, yeah, you're lucky to get me in England today. Mm. Wow, we're going international mm. with Script Shop again. This is great. I love it when we do. Yeah. So where are you? Are you originally from England? Yeah, I'm originally from England, but I spent like the last seven years living in Russia, and then I just moved to Stockholm like two weeks ago. So Sweden now. Wow. What, what uh, prompted this move? Um, new jobs, new opportunities, and I fancy the change of air from Russia. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. What's the new job? Well, mostly like freelance sort of work there, but yeah, I just basically started with a new company. Um, I'm just kind of feeling my way in, but it's basically like media, so script writing, mm -hmm. and a bit of production as well. Mm -hmm. For um, so I'm sorry if I sound like your, you know, your weird aunt that you see at the holidays, and who just wants to poke and prod and ask all your questions. Um, but you said you're doing some script writing, some media work. Is this for a production company or a television station? Or uh, you said you're freelancing, so you just kind of show up in a new city and start meeting new people and trying to build your network. Well. It's kind of how it worked in Russia to begin with. I just moved there and, um, yeah, started building up my network, building up, like, contacts, and then you start getting contract work. So, yeah, you work, like, contract to contract. You get some regular people you work with, and then you get some agencies you work with as well. So mm -hmm. that sort of stuff. Have you been doing um, this type of work basically your whole professional life? Well, I originally studied to be like a director, but I also love script writing. So I've always been like a script writer director. So I've been doing it for about, I guess, 10 years since I left university and I basically jumped straight in. Um, and I did uh, two feature films uh, that I wrote and directed. One I was co-directed and co-wrote. Yeah, and then the rest is like short films, TV and things like that. Yeah. So fairly experienced. Then, yeah, quite a bit. Like. Well, yeah, I, I 
Maybe. I don't know what you'd call experience. <laughs> Wait, so, it's not uh, won an Oscar yet. <laughs> so, but, but so, so you're talking about uh, Great Britain and then, and then Russia and then and Sweden. Are, are you writing in different languages or is it all English-based work that you're writing? No, it's all English-based. Uh, I write in, like, um, the two feature films I did, one was in Lithuania, so that was translated into Lithuanian, and the other one was in Pakistan, so that was translated into Urdu. So I don't think I can really express what I want to express if I write in another language. So mm-hmm. It's like my second language. Mm-hmm. And is there a certain wheelhouse or, or genre that your work tends to fall into? Well, originally it tended to be quite dark, you know, it was like dark comedy thriller sort of thing. But recently I, I thought, you know, I should just expand a little bit and step outside. So I wrote comedy. Uh, the one that you're interested in today is like a drama. And uh, yeah, trying to write a feel-good script at present because I feel like I've been doing too much dark stuff. and Yeah, going down that road. So something light at present, but pretty much a bit of anything. Do you, you know, this shift into some kind of lighthearted, feel-good stuff, are you making that purely for a professional reason, or do you feel like you just personally need to deal with some more lighthearted content? Um, I'd say mostly it's for professional, because if you write a lot of dark scripts, a lot of dramas, it takes really a long time for you to actually get to the point where it's going to be made, because that's the mass of what's basically written. But if you write comedies or lighthearted things, people are more wanting to, to read them and look at them and kind of give them a shot. So it was mostly a professional sort of move. But also I kind of felt like I pretty much explored the dark side of script writing, the dark stories, dealing with those genres pretty intensely. And I kind of felt like, you know, I need a new challenge. Let's see how I can do with this and improve that part of my writing as well. Yeah, and what was yeah. it like? What was it like doing that transition, going from the darker stuff into maybe more feel-good work? Um, it was kind of, it was really fun. I went straight from doing uh, like a, a kidnap story, uh, yeah, that was basically a TV sort of scenario, and then going into a comedy. And the comedy is completely crazy. It's like where you just let your mind go do whatever it wants, and afterwards you read it back, you have a look at it, and you're like, oh, oh my god, where did that come from? <laughs> um, yeah. So it was, it was it was fun. It was it was basically like having a party with script. So yeah. Well, and 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 the old adage about comedy is just tragedy plus time, right? The idea of once you understand maybe some of the more dramatic and serious things, then does that make it easier then to find more comedic elements in a given story? Well, yeah, because you can kind of like contrast the two. You can't have like comedy, comedy, comedy all the way through, otherwise. It just becomes like very sameish, and you don't end up with any kind of like waves of emotion. So you need to kind of balance them out. But once you've done something that's quite serious and dramatic, you kind of understand, okay, I can put that there, but now I can contrast it with this and you can build. So I, it all helps. I think all writing helps in all ways because you learn little things, things that work, things that don't. But, but yeah, it didn't have so, the comedy I was writing, it didn't have so many heavy moments. It was more like, Start the craziness and let's just run with it constantly and build and build and build and build. And at the end, we'll bring something serious in. Did you study writing in school as well? Or is this something that you picked up along your your professional path? Um, well, when we were at university, we had a script writing course. And uh, yeah, but I wouldn't really say it helped me that much because they wanted to do more like social realism and Ken Loach and it's not really my style, so I was kind of 
pushed into that and it, and it didn't really help. So I basically went out and taught myself how to script write. There's lots of like tutorials online and things like that. And you can use like, see the great script writers and directors and then reading lots of scripts, watching films and comparing it to the script and seeing how that was done. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah. Basically that way. I fell in love with um, Luc Besson's film, Leon. And when I read the screenplay for it, it's com- it's very different to the actual real film that they made, the original screenplay. Oh, so yeah, The Professional. Kind of fascinated with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Leon El Professional, yeah, that one. Hmm. Um, hmm. Yeah, and it sucked me into script writing and learning the more the kind of the art of script writing rather than the, the technical side of it. And so I'm curious about you. You mentioned uh, Luc Besson. Uh, other inspirations that you had as you were uh, first beginning, uh, really trying to take root and find your voice as a writer. Yeah, I, um, I became obsessed with Asian cinema, which is a bit, a bit strange. We had like a we have like the long summer in univer- university where you have like all this time and nothing to do, um, and on TV they basically had the summer of. Chinese, Korean, Japanese, Hong Kong films. And it was like three sort of films a night. So I was watching that and I thought, okay, to improve my education, like my actual film knowledge, I'd try to watch every day three films I've never seen before. So it was really building like the storytelling narrative inside my head. So I largely got influenced by, by Korea by Korea cinema, by Asian cinema, and then also French cinema seemed to really, I really seemed to like how that was created. Mm-hmm. So they were the major influences in my narrative sort of way of telling, but then I kind of have had to adapt it because when you start writing feature films and producers have what they want, and when I was in Pakistan, there was a lot of criteria of what I couldn't write, like certain characters had to be bad, certain characters had to do this, and it kind of became a real challenge to maintain your own voice. Mm-hmm. But you fight. I fought with it. And I think it still has a kind of Korean feel to it, but very much Western and European now because that's what they wanted. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's it. Sorry, I'm sorry. I, I, I think it. that's really interesting, the, the influence of Korean cinema that has such a th- – th- there's a certain element of Korean cinema that like feels like it's in reaction to influences from the West. And then you talk about French cinema, which at times – I'm speaking very generally here I'm, I'm, I'm with all this, but that w- which at times can be very uh, you know, dwelling on maybe existentialism and maybe more of the art of things, maybe less plot-centric. And I, I think those are just two really interesting uh, influences for you. Yeah, because uh, with Korea, you found like it's very stylized. Everything is quite stylized, like uh, John Woo's kind of films. Like He's not Korean, but yeah. he's one of their major influences. But it was coming from being very stylized and everything being very internalized and then exploding out. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, you have the whole French side, which was quite poetic. So hopefully I kind of achieved some sort of blend between the two. Mm-hmm. Well, in this piece particularly, I was struck by the flash forwards and the flashbacks in the present time. And, you know, that could really play into some of those stylistic influences of being uh, adept at moving time around and having it have a linear meaning, even if the linear time frame is not as direct as, as you might see in a lot of screenplays. Yeah, they always say like doing flash forwards and flashbacks is kind of cheating in a narrative structure, but I thought it was the best way to kind of tell it because it, 
it's a bit strange. Like the old man in the lake, it's it's probably the least fiction script I've ever written because it, it's actually based on real life. Like the main character, well, one of the characters, Stephen, that's my dad. Echo's my mom. Eleanor's my sister, and Mike is me. Wow. So yeah, was, I started writing this script. Um, I think like maybe three weeks after my dad died. So. It was kind of therapy, and it took me like maybe four months to get these eight pages out. So, so yeah, and it was it's it is fiction, but kind of based around what happened in this period mm-hmm. in, in this event. So, I think it's probably the most honest script I've ever written, even mm-hmm. though it's so short. And it is stylized, and there is a lot of structure to it. But I thought that was the best way to kind of I could try and express this story in a way that other people could understand. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, and it's extremely personal for you. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. I think I've only ever looked back at this script since I finished it, maybe twice. Yeah, maybe like that twice. Yeah, because uh, it, it was like reopening the box each time I was revisiting it. But yeah. But at some, at some point, this will this will be shot in some way and sort of made because I think it's one of these. It's a passion project. This, even though it's quite short, it's very much a passion project. Well, how how does it feel? You know, having a whole interview about it yeah. be, because in a second, you know, I'm we're gonna I'm gonna ask you questions about how you developed it, and you know, were you worried to come on to the show knowing that you're gonna have to talk about all of this? Um. Not so much. Like uh, I think maybe about like three, four months ago, I, I was in Russia and I went to Finland to basically go and make another script I made, which is kind of based around this topic, this subject matter. And when we were filming one of the scenes, it was like a, a monologue scene, and it was like the heart of the film. It was it was quite hard to do that, and I ended up like we did one take, and I basically broke down at the end of the take, but it was perfect the take of what I wanted. And it was like it was like saying, okay, I can now move beyond this. So yeah, I think it should be yeah, it would be okay for me to talk about this because I thought about it earlier, and yeah, I'm willing to give it a go. Okay, why not? Yeah. So so this uh, script that you sent us, the old man in the lake, is a story about uh, mainly the, the the main character. I would say in it is uh, Ekwu, uh, who you say is your mom in this script. She's dealing with the loss of her husband. Uh, and just for the folks listening, I think it's it's fair to maybe uh, put a warning out there ahead of time. This script does involve uh, an attempted suicide, and so there's going to be that's going to be a topic of discussion uh, in the interview going forward. Just uh, in all fairness to those of you who are listening to this script, uh, she. Is it starts out with her uh, getting things together to get into a boat uh, because she plans on uh, jumping into the water with weights tied to her uh, to end her life because she's lost her husband, presumably because she just can't take not having him anymore. Is that is that is that a fair sort of general description of the script? I think that's pretty much spot on. You know, wanting to join him basically. Yeah. How did your How did your dad pass away? Um, he had a certain a sudden heart attack. It completely came out of the blue, like he was the healthiest he'd ever been. And um, yeah, he just he just basically had a heart attack like in the middle of the night. It was a bit of a strange one because my mum had like she had like health problems. So I was in the metro in um, in Russia, and my sister calls me, and she's crying on the phone, and I'm thinking, oh dear, what, what something's really bad happened. And um, and she tells me, like, one of the parents has died. And I'm thinking she's going to say, like, it's my mom. 
when she says like it's my dad and we're like whoa whoa whoa, whoa. so it was really kind of a, a shock to all of us that it happened in such a way it was totally from nowhere but mm-hmm. do you think it, life, I guess. yeah do you think it hurt more because it was a shock that it was an unexpected death um yeah you don't really have a chance to say goodbye mm-hmm. and that's, that's the kind of the thing but uh, saying that, like, I kind of had, like, a bit of a frictious relationship with, with my dad for quite a few years, but we were on very good terms at that time when it happened. So I guess it happened in the best possible time, if there is such a thing. So it, we were able to deal with it that way, but, yeah. So I, I'm very, I'm really interested in, and, and curious to talk to you about the the idea that this is framed again. I think through your mother as a character in this script, you're not telling the story of you reacting to your father's death as much. The, the, there's a character in here, Michael and his sister Eleanor, and they certainly do have an, a, 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 some discussions about the immediate aftermath in one of the flashbacks, um, and that's one of the pieces that we're going to be reading from. Uh, but I'm just sort of curious about why you wanted to frame this around your mother uh, dealing with this immediate aftermath, having this sort of suicidal ideation and this this attempt on a lake, and then flashing back to interactions with her kids when they were first going to confirm the body and what do we tell our children going forward. And I'm just sort of interested in why you framed the story through the lens that you did. Um, I think it's because it was to purely tell my story from my side. I don't think I would have explored the topic more. And also, as I was sort of like trying to understand my mum in this scenario, telling it from her point of view, I kind of understood like what she was going through, what she had lost, why she felt that way. And it became like I could build a very deeper round of character that way showing it through her eyes. If I showed it through mine, it would just be very one-dimensional. And through my sister, uh, it was kind of hard to try and explore my sister's point of view, but I thought my mom was the key person here. So to try to see it through her eyes, to try and understand, it was a challenge, but also I thought it was something that I kind of had to do. It was her story, it was her husband, it was her life partner. It was my father, but he was hers. So to tell it through her eyes, Did, and and just just to be clear, I mean, I guess in real life, was this bit that's in the script where your mother's on the this this mother character is on the boat with the weights and getting ready to jump into the water to be with him? That's that that's based on a, on a real thing that happened. Um, no, no, it's a, it's a metaphor. Like she was basically, you would say she was on the edge. Mm-hmm. Like she, she was at the point where she wanted to go and uh, and join my dad, but uh, me and my sister basically opened her eyes to the responsibilities that she has mm-hmm. to us and to yeah, her grandchildren and such, and it kind of brought her back from the edge. And I remember like uh, one night, um, me and my mum were sat in the lounge and we were talking about this whole sort of scenario, and she was terrified to go and sleep in the bedroom in the same bed that she had shared with my dad and um because that's where he died and i, I basically we got into a conversation and i told her what well, it's where he died but that was only one moment a lot of love and a lot of happiness is also in that room a lot of life that you shared is there and she started to view it like this like 
she shouldn't focus so much on the fact he died there or how he died, but more the life they had mm-hmm. and the positives. And that's more what you see towards the end of the end of the film, the end of the script. How were you able to take that on? You know, you're grieving the loss of your father and then to be able to shepherd your mother through this, how how were you able to 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 bear that load? Um I don't really think there was much choice in it. It was like a case of uh you kind of put it in the backpack and you say, Okay, I'll come to that later. I'll deal with what what I'm dealing with later, but at present I need to deal with what's happening now. So that's more or less what me and my sister did. We both shelved the kind of struggle that we were going through and focused on our mother mm-hmm. and now she's she's in a way way better place mm-hmm. yeah we we basically dealt with our problems there and yeah and it was it was like that it's just a you had to prioritize and i just i've always been a bit like that i understand when i'm not the priority i'm okay to focus on what is the priority and i'll deal with my stuff later and when you were talking about how long it was taking you to write this, were you writing just small scenes as you felt them or as they came to you, or were you writing and then revising the whole screenplay? Um, well, I, I had the idea of what the beginning, middle, and end would be, and I understood how to transition, but actually writing the scenes themselves that was very much like I, I kind of felt it and I just I just let them write it. It sounds weird, but the characters like Echo and Steven, they wrote the dialogue because it's their voices and the way that the action plays out, that's that's how they act out. Um, and the other scenarios that happen in it, the other scene, they pretty much wrote themselves. It was like I opened the scene and it played I knew where it needed to end. And everything that happened in between, it was it was real. It wasn't so much like I needed to plan it. It just was alive. What what what's that like when you're when you when you are writing this and you're building it? You said you had an idea of a beginning, middle, and an end. But so as a, someone who's creating this script and putting words down, you're you know how you feel and you know maybe the emotions that you're that you yourself are dealing with and that you want to have in the script and then balancing that realism with what you feel with story structure and 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 what works best what's it like balancing those two things um when you write it first time it's very raw so it's very hard like it take it would take like i don't know like maybe 2 hours to write like just a tiny little piece of dialogue or something like this because you're trying to make it as real as possible. But then when you look back at it, I've always looked back at scripts from the audience side, like how do they view this? How would this be played out? How would they see this and understand this? So there were bits that I wrote more and and took out because it just was a distraction from the actual part of the story. Um, So it was basically like the case of just letting it flow to begin with. And then going back and seeing, okay, what have you written? Does it make sense? Does this actually, can someone else who's not part of this scenario understand this? And um, then seeing about how, how, how can I convey this better? How can I convey it like clearer to people? So it was basically writing raw and then turning, trying, well, turning off the emotions and looking at it from outside and adding the structure and the techniques in basically the flow in afterwards. 
I'm, I'm sure having a lot of experience too leading up to that just made it kind of, uh, you know, available for you to, to combine these two types of things. Um, yeah, yeah. I'd, I'd gone from writing lo- uh, like long format, um, so writing some full feature films and then coming back to writing a short film. It was, it was kind of compressing like a whole feature film into a very, very small narrative. Mm-hmm. So, so it was actually quite easy to do that way. And as scripts go, it's, it was the hardest, but also it was the easiest to write. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, listeners, we're going to go ahead and read a selection from the screenplay. Um, we have a really interesting breakdown of how this is going to go today, because if you're following along, we're going to be reading scenes eight and scenes nine. Scene eight starts, I think, on page three of the screenplay. So in the first um, scene, scene eight, I'm going to be reading Equu and Jack's going to be reading Stephen. So that's uh, basically the mother and father characters, the father having passed away. And then in scene nine, we're continuing just because we want to lay out as much of the story as we can. I'm going to be reading for Eleanor and Jack's going to be reading for Michael, the brother-sister dynamic there. So um, we have Michael doing all of the action headings. So we've got a, a scene eight and a scene nine action heading. When you hear those things, just allow your mind to switch characters with us so that we can share more of the screen play with you yeah and uh in in the run-up to this scene that we're about to take up it is again a conversation between equu and steven uh she has been on the boat she's threaded these weights through some rope she's just about to jump from the boat into the water when she slips and hits her head and falls in she's still on the boat she's essentially unconscious uh this interaction that she's having with steven is not a flashback it's more of a a dream-like uh, sequence uh, of her being, as, as as Michael described, being right on the edge, and now she's I- I- able to have this uh, conversation uh, with Stephen after she's uh, knocked herself unconscious on the boat. Uh, and then that'll follow uh, scene nine, then as a flashback, that'll be between the brother and sister talking. Michael, it, it's re- I, I want you to understand it's really important to us that we do as much justice to this work of yours as you can, yeah. because it's so personal. Yeah. It's okay. I'm I'm happy to see what you interpret. How you do that? Yeah, It'll be interesting. For me. I'm just letting you know I'm not going to be crying on the phone. I'm not even going to pretend that I could be your sister oh. in this moment. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. It's it's a script. It's made for people to interpret how they want. So, so well, it will be interesting to see. We appreciate it very much. Yeah. So, Michael, whenever you're ready, you take it away. Okay. Scene eight: Exterior, lake, boat, morning, present day. Eku lies in the bottom of the boat as Stephen strokes her hair. She opens her eyes and lifts her head to see Stephen looking back at her. Is it you, Stephen? How is it possible? It's not. Eku sits up as she holds Stephen's hand tightly against herself as she sits up. What are you doing, Eku? This isn't what I want. I miss you so much. I'm not going anywhere. I'm with you. You just have to wait until we can be completely together again. I don't want to wait. I need you here with me. You had a life before me, a wonderful life with me, and you have a life you still have yet to discover after me. There isn't a life without you. There is always life. You have responsibilities. Scene 9, exterior interior, Eleanor's car, hospital car park, morning, flashback. 
Eleanor sits in the car talking on the phone to Michael. Mike, can you hear me? Hey, El, what's up? Dad's died. What? He had a heart attack and died. When? A couple of hours ago. He just said he wasn't feeling well and had a heart attack. Where's mom? She's with dad holding his hand. She won't leave him. The door opens and Eku gets into the car, closing the door behind her. Was that mom getting into the car? Yes, it was. How is she? Mom, how are you? I'm not sure she's ready to talk. Uh, I need to look at I need to look at flights. I'll call you back later. Okay, we'll talk later. Okay. Eleanor hangs up the phone. End scene. Okay. So I mean, you're the, the, you you said the things are Michael. They're drawing from from real life here. So you got this call from your sister out of the blue. Um. Yeah. This phone call in reality, what happened? It's from. It's really strange. It's from the hospital. Um. Like my mom's in the room with my with my dad, uh, holding uh, his hand, and she she really wouldn't let his hand go. And I'm basically on the way to work, and I'm just about to get onto the metro, and my um, and I get this phone call, and yeah, like I'm I'm having this conversation with her. Everyone's running around on the way to work. So, so yeah. It was real, real situation. How did how did you respond in that moment when you got that call? Um, I went to work. Mm-hmm. It was quite, it was quite strange. I got on the metro. Uh, I went to work. I walked into the office. Um, yeah, and then it just kind of just kind of hit me, and yeah, and then I, I basically. The people in the office said, "Yeah, it's not going to happen. Mike, go home." <laughs> so I, uh, yeah, so, good for them. <laughs> so, uh, so instead of taking the metro home, I walked back. Yeah, and uh, wow. I called the people I needed to call, and it just kind of went from there. Yeah. And in the script, uh, after Eku has uh, this 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 dream sequence where she's able to talk to Stephen maybe one last time and he's telling her that you still have responsibilities there there is always life you still have a life yet to live before we can be completely back together she 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 hears those words and then and wakes up and then immediately more or less after that she there's a test as to whether or not she's really going to heed those words because she does end up slipping and falls into the lake and she's being dragged down by these weights on the rope that she had just tied a little bit ago. And it's not on purpose this time, but here's now where she, now it's time to decide if you're really going to follow what was just said to her. And it would be easy, just, it'd be so easy for her to give in, right? She, she was right there on the edge yeah. just a second ago. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, the whole thing, either fight or or down. She chooses to fight and fight her way back into back to the surface, back into the light, back into life. And yeah, it's what my mum did to to a large extent. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm very proud of her for doing that. The metaphor um, of fighting yeah, against yeah. drowning. Yeah, yeah. But also the conversation before with uh, with Stephen and Eku, it's basically real because it's my mum used to dream about my dad coming to her and talking to her and he would have these conversations because this is the sort of way he would talk like what do you do and don't be silly come on um so yeah it's kind of part of our conversations that we had between each other where she would tell me about like the dreams that she's had and things like this so yeah a lot of it's quite real mm. just fictionized yeah yeah just a bit what's the moment like when you you you've 
taken the time to to work through this and write it as a script and then I mean I assume at some point there's a some kind of presentation or it doesn't have to be that formal or whatever but I mean sending your mom a copy or being there when your sister reads a copy what what are those moments like well first of all I sent it to like like my closest friends and then I sent it to some of the industry guys who I send my script to to basically go through and say, okay, what do you think? Is it working or is it not? And then um, when they I basically had one going through again and a little alteration. So that was basically the second time I looked over the script. And then I sent it to my sister, like like through WhatsApp. And I basically said to her, you need to have a cup of tea and sit down and have a read about this. So yeah, so I, I sent it to her and... Um, I'm not sure my mum's ever read it. I don't think she has ever read it. Mm-hmm. Um, just just because I've never printed it out and given her a copy. She knows it exists, um, yeah, and all these sort of things. But I don't think she's ever sat down and read it. But do you th- she will someday. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask is, if, do you want her to? Do you want to share this with her? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I wrote it for her. I wrote, um, well, I wrote this for me and my sister and my mum. Yeah, and, uh, one day when it's eventually made, I was, it will be something I can show for them. And yeah, it is something I do want her to read because I guess she will also see it from not just me looking through her eyes and seeing how I saw it, but also like a, I think she'll also understand how it was for me and my sister from from the outside looking yeah. at her is there i mean obviously there's there's a, it's a feeling of catharsis i would imagine do you feel like had you had you not taken the time to write this thing that maybe you wouldn't be in the place uh, emotionally psychologically where you are now because you have um i don't honestly know i, I wrote it because i had to I, I don't think i had a choice it just kind of like I was wondering, should I write about it or not? And then uh, I, I typed like the first line and I knew I couldn't stop this until it was done. So, so yeah, I, would I still be in the same emotional place as I am now? Probably not. I think it did help. And it did help to share with my sister in that regard. And also to express these emotions through onto the page. Yeah, I think I think it did help. I think I would have got here anyway and... and in time in some way maybe through another story another script or things like that i would have taken these moments and put it somewhere else yeah. but yeah uh, so you, you've, you've made reference a couple times to your know, plans to to shoot this i would think that just having based on reading it the production challenges of shooting in in water on water mm-hmm. all around water that's i mean that's an interesting thing to consider do, do do production thoughts like that creep into your head when you're writing a, a script let alone something this personal and specific um yeah 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 they do you do think about it like you think about okay like with the flashbacks how are we going to shoot that how would that be different okay uh should I keep it in one room? Should I make them move throughout the hospital? If it's on the lake, are we all only above the water or below the water? How are we going to see this? Um, but when I wrote it, I kind of like wrote it all out first and then had those those thoughts. And with the lake, I, I already had an idea of the lake I would use and how I would shoot it and all this sort of stuff. And it didn't work out like it was impossible to make. So... It seems okay. It seems it seems okay. It seems like yes, it's justified. Yes, the expense 
is needed in that area, and uh, it's not it's not breaking the bank, so I think it works okay. Do you have any current plans to start production on this, or are you just kind of letting it rest and gather a little bit of age before you start working on it? Well, I thought well, I thought I would be shooting it about this time, like <laughs> this time this year. Um, I was going to shoot it in Poland because my um, cinematographer is Polish and he's like brilliant and wonderful. Um, so we thought about like shooting it this time, like this year, but he's super busy and I just moved and all of this sort of stuff. But it will get made. It's, it's just a question of whether it will be next year or the year after because it's got to be made like around, well, I want to make it around autumn or winter, like maybe the lake is starting to freeze a little bit. Wow. Sort of yeah. yeah. Oh. yeah. Who, who doesn't want to jump into a lake in Poland in December? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, jeez. And again, it, it is such a, a crystal clear metaphor for yeah. the struggle of suicide and uh, the the temptation to it as well. Just you know, overwhelming grief. Yes, it really is a frozen lake in Poland in the winter. Yeah. equals overwhelming grief. Like yeah. that's that's just there. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and also like the ice cracking, it's very easy to get trapped below ice, and the ice cracking is metaphors for for other things as well. But um, I don't think it's uh, the more I, I kind of think about the script now, I don't just think of like about it being for grief. I think also like big life choices. You can either give in and take the easy road, and you know just just let yourself be taken down one road or another, or you can fight and struggle and maybe what you'll fight for to live won't be so easy, but mm-hmm. it'll be something new. So I, I start seeing it more and more like a, not just a metaphor about a loss of grief, but maybe like for the big challenges people have in life. Yeah. Yeah, because I mean, it is worth pointing out that by the end of the script, so she she does uh, untie the ropes and the weights from her and is able to get back out. And her kids, she sort of swims to the dock where the the kids have ended up showing up. And she seems she does seem very resolved by the end of it. That you know what, okay, because when the kids show up, she sort of has a comment. Oh, Stephen, you always knew the best way to make a point. And she gets over to him, and they're like, "What?" Are you? She's like, oh, "I just went for a swim." And it, it's it. She seems very resolved that you know what, it, it was a moment, and we're, we're pressing forward forward now yeah for me i kind of viewed it like first chapter was her life with her husband second chapter was the kids and them growing up and this end of the film is the start of the third the third chapter yeah. so basically okay where do we go from here the next yeah. part of life yeah, promising her kids you literally saying the words promising i promise you don't need to worry about me yeah, this is what she actually said to us. Yeah, oh, so. wow. Yeah. Yeah, that's beautiful. Well, Michael, if you're ready for production on this, how could somebody get in touch with you to start working with you and helping develop this and moving it forward? Well, there's my Facebook that they could always contact through me through, or there's always a LinkedIn or Instagram. I believe, like, all the contacts are there. But yeah, they could just contact me through my social media or they could find me, well, social media, my name is Michael Stephen Usandu Hudson. Nice big name. Um, <laughs> yeah, or you can find me on LinkedIn. I'm pretty much, I'm just Michael Hudson there. So, yeah. 
Great. That's so great. Yeah. Thank you. Mike, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for submitting this incredibly personal work to a, to us, coming on the show to talk about it. It, it. It's one in the morning where you are. Thanks for everything. This was a this was a wonderful interview. Really appreciate your time. No problem. I'm just happy you like the script. So thank you. Mm. Well, it was really lovely. Oh, script. my gosh. Wow. He, he was so open about this, too. Yeah. You know, sometimes we have to dig around a little bit and try to get people to share their stories. But this... Not much digging. I think the I, the idea of using your talent and your 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 ability to express yourself you know, artistically in this case as a way of processing. He he said this is just a thing he knew he had to do. Right. Like it, it, it was fait accompli from the yep. way he described it. And yep. using this, you know, the the way if you're if you're a dancer, you would work out your feelings through through movement mm-hmm. or you know writing a song any of these expressing yourself because you have this feeling inside you and it needs to be expressed have you ever had a breakdown on radio where you just had to express something and all of a sudden you're on the air babbling and crying like a lunatic no generally speaking i my my radio work tends to revolve around a script that i've written in, <laughs> in the course of a newscast i'm not if anything being here would be a little more licensed to, to go have a moment where i just start yelling at <laughs> i wish you would like just lose it on air no. one day i mean it will listen i i'm repressed enough where it'll for sure happen but <laughs> <laughs> ticking clock folks we're just gonna have to wait that out uh no seriously that was uh that that i was not expecting that interview to be that personal and yeah, and, yeah. and uh in, introspective and that was a that was a really wonderful interview uh, thank, thank you again to, to michael for coming on and the show listeners we love what we do because we get to learn all of these beautiful true stories about the writers and why they wrote the things that they wrote you know you i'm telling you if you ever run into a screenwriter just ask them what inspired their script and go from there you know sit back have have a drink, have a good time. Yeah. And we are proud to share these stories and to share the work of uh, artists on the show. So again, if you know a writer or somebody who has a story, get them to send it in to us because we want to read it. We want to talk about it. And then we want to talk about it with you where you can connect with us online, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Script Shop Show. On Twitter, I am at your bestie Westie. And on Twitter, I'm at Script Shop Jack. So get on there. Chat with us, and let's share some stories, okay? Yeah, thanks, folks. And until next week, that's a wrap. Script Shop was created by Allison West, hosted by Allison West and Jack Crumley, produced by Frank Steele. Thanks to iHeartMedia Cincinnati for use of their studio. Intro music, Retro Soul by bensound.com. Outro music by purple-planet.com. Special thanks to all our guests. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to Script Shop Show.